Welcome to blogtalkradio.com slash the catch with John Fisher. We are excited that you have joined us here for this podcast. And uh, yeah, are you singing along yet? <laughs> kind of a different ambiance here for today's podcast, which, which really could only mean one thing in the land of John Fisher. And that's, I think, really maybe two words. Play ball! That's right. Baseball is back. And uh, hopefully you have your uh, Cracker Jacks, your, your bag of peanuts, a uh, soda pop, maybe some red vines, a red rope. Uh, whatever you like to watch baseball with, we hope you have that in hand tonight because we have a special conversation that we want to just invite you to, 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 to sit alongside us and listen in that John had recently with the author of the book, Sermon on the Mound, Finding God at the Heart of the Game. The author's name is Michael O'Connor, and we are excited to present this conversation uh, to you this evening as we welcome baseball back. So grab your Cracker Jacks, join us, listen in. And play ball. Tell it. Can you start with the story? Can you can you paint that picture for us of what well, went on in in that in that six game of 1986 World Series? Before I, before I do that, could I could I correct something you said earlier? Please. Uh, you you said you you uh, read what you thought was the introduction of my book. Actually, what you read was a synopsis by a reviewer, and what I had written I think was much. Could I share oh, it with please. you? Please. But the opening lines of my book were, were the following. I believe in two things. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator of heaven and earth, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, the one and only source from which all life flows, and baseball. Everything else is just sports and religion. Ah, so you, you, got you, the go. reader's dig, you got the Reader's Digest version. I sure did, and that is much better. And I knew I, you know, in a way, I knew I liked it uh, from my memory of first reading it. And 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 I was thinking that is this it? Is this? <laughs> so thank you so much for correcting me. A- a- absolutely, not that I'm in the habit of uh, correcting my my uh, my friends like that, but uh, I anyway, I wanted to share that. Please, thank you. That's that, that is great. So tell us, tell us. I know you're going to have to give us a little background. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I do have to. That, I do have to set night. this story up a little bit, and it's a little involved because this is not your typical "I found Jesus in the World Series" story. This is much more <laughs> different than many of those that you may have heard. Yeah, right, right. right. Um, to set the scene, the year was uh, 1984. And I asked my girlfriend at the time, her name was Sally, and in fact it still is, uh, to marry me. And we had been dating for a couple of years, and we were, we were pretty hot and heavy. Uh, and uh, I, asked, I asked her to marry me. And, of course, you know, she said, yes, what could the poor girl do but uh, fall under my charms? So <laughs> then she, uh, you know, and she was a, she was a nice Jewish girl. Uh, and I was, I was raised in the Christian faith. Uh, and we, we set a date, um, but soon after, she had, a, she had a deeply moving experience with uh, the love of Jesus, and I can't really go into that now because it is in itself an hour-long story, but yeah. uh, G- Jesus touched her in a very, very specific and, and uh, 
uh, powerful way that she could not mistake for anything else. And the last thing mm-hmm. she wanted to do as, as, as a Jewish girl was to believe, start believing in Jesus. That wasn't going to sit well with her mm-hmm. friends and fam- family on, it, on any level. So you know that this was not the this was not the power of, uh, of perception going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, when she when she did accept the Lord uh, Jesus as her Lord, it was it was an earth sh- shifting event for her, and uh, she was now a Jew who believed in Jesus in her mm-hmm. heart, and and she she told me about this experience, and uh, I thought to myself. This is going to put a crimp in our relationship because I had really <laughs> fallen away from God. I had uh, really experienced a lot of hypocrisy in the church in my in my youth, and when I got a chance to walk away, I did. Mm. And uh, I would I was what I would call a moral person, as I thought I was a moral person, uh, but it didn't mean you know I, a lot of people culturally will culturally will call themselves Christian. I did not. I didn't think of myself as a Christian. I thought of myself as a good person. Anyway, she had, uh, she after she had this experience, and she had accepted my uh, invitation to be her bride, she told me that she had read in the Bible about uh, about being unequally yoked, and she explained the concept to me, uh, and she told me quite reluctantly that she could mm. not marry that she could not marry me. And I, I, looking back on this, John, I, I find mm-hmm. it quite remarkable because she was a, a believer of a couple months maybe or, or maybe even less than that. And mm-hmm. yet she had found uh, the presence to deny herself what she wanted most in the world to, to, to get married with me. And, and so, you know, I, I thought that was mm-hmm. – I think, I think today that is, that is quite remarkable as I – as I look mm-hmm. back at that. Anyway, she she explained to me that love was not going to be enough for us to get through because our parents had been in love once and neither pair was still together. They, uh, mm. And uh, she told me, and this was a thing that was really impressive to me, she told me she would wait for me for 10 years, if that's what it took, to decide whether or not Spending a life walking with God was what I would, and walking with her alongside, was would be right for me. Would be what I would want. Would be how I would want to spend the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah, and and this really got my attention because I had felt the axe coming down. I you know I have this visual in my mind that you see in movies of the of Marie Antoinette with the guillotine. You know, it's coming down on the head. Well, every time a girl ever said, "I like you, Mike," but I always had this visual of the axe coming down and just removing yeah. it cleanly. Sometimes it didn't come off; my head didn't come off so cleanly, and it was painful for a couple of years. But uh, I, I just envisioned that that's what was happening in this moment. Um, but like I said, I had—I was not an unbeliever. I had uh, gr- grown up in in the church, and I—I uh, uh, was, but. I, I was turned off by many of the things I had seen, especially in my own family, uh, regarding God. And you know, you go to you'd go to church on Sunday, and then the other six days you'd you'd swear and you'd you'd you know it, it, it's like church didn't happen on Sunday. And I thought, what is this? I don't I don't need this. So while I you know I believed in a God that you feared and respected, 
I didn't know about a God that you could love. I had never heard that message or that mm-hmm. people would love you intimately like a, like a father would. Mm-hmm. So basically, John, uh, I spent the next two years looking for but mostly running from God. Mm-hmm. And, and then mm-hmm. we come to the moment that, that you uh, were describing um, I am a huge baseball fan, uh, and uh, and uh, you know uh, many pe- many people who know me think that I just live and breathe it. It's not it's not actually true. It's it's uh, it's much more important to me than that. <laughs> so, but uh, I was watching. I happen to be uh, so. Like I said, I spent two years looking for God, um, but not really trying as hard as I should have or could have. And Sally was getting pretty frustrated. And I was mm-hmm. uh, I was one day in 1986 watching the World Series. And it happened to be the sixth game of the 86 World Series, and I'm in my apartment. I'm, I'm there alone watching the game on television. And uh, there, were, there were two outs. It was the ninth inning, and it was the bottom of the ninth. And if you recall, well, you know, John, it was the Red mm-hmm. Sox and the Mets. Mm-hmm. And you remember the the Red Sox had not won a single World Series since 1918. Oh, yeah. 1918. It was the curse of the Bambino. The curse of the Bambino, uh, designated by Boston writer Dan Shaughnessy. That's right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and he uh, and, and and so the the Mets were uh, on on uh, the ropes and were about to finally give the fans of Boston what they what they had wanted and craved for generation upon generation. <laughs> so there were, there were two outs at the bottom of the ninth. It's, they're in Shea Stadium. Boston has a two-run lead. And Keith, right. Hernan- Keith Hernandez, who had – I'm going to give you a little bit of a play-by-play here now. Um, Keith Hernandez, who had uh, – he, he was the ultimate gamer. He was Mr. Baseball. He, he just – Mr. you know, everything – he would not do an unprofessional thing in his life. He was so dejected about making the second out that he went down to the dugout and started smoking in, in the clubhouse and started smoking a cigarette. I, I found this out later from a report. <laughs> in other words, it's over. He didn't even bother staying and watching the last out because there was no way the Mets were coming back from this. Mm. And then Gary Carter comes up to bat. And I, I say with reverence the late Gary Carter because he's, he's since passed. And he was, uh, mm. by every account, a, a, a wonderful uh, guy. And, uh, and he gets uh, a hit to left field. And, you know, so there's a little bit of glimmer of hope, but really no big deal. It's just, you know, the, the, yeah. the Red Sox will put it away and no, n- no problem. Kevin Mitchell comes to bat, and he gets – another hit to center field. And all of a sudden, you've got two runners on base. Mm-hmm. And, a pin, uh, and, and, and the, the Red Sox fans, I think, are getting a little queasy in the pit of their stomachs right now. You can verify this for me, John. Is that true? No, it's absolutely true. It's like I've been, I've been here before. How do I... <laughs> I how do we stop this? Will Pepto-Bismol work? Something, please. Uh, so Ray Knight comes up, there are two outs, and he hits one up the middle to mm. score Gary Carter. And all of a sudden, it's a one-run game and anything is possible. All yep. bets are off at this point. 
And, and we got runners on runners on first and third now. Is that right? I think yes. I believe that's true. I believe that's the, the mm-hmm. way the configuration was. And mm-hmm. and Calvin Chiraldi had been pitching, and he got relieved by Johnny McNamara, the manager, and Bob Stanley came in. Oh yeah. To oh pitch. yeah. <laughs> and 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 he worked Mookie Wilson uh, to a two-two count. So now the Red Sox are only one strike away. No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. No, I no. Think... I, I know what you're going to say, John, and let me finish. Cause, because was, then wasn't on there a, a wild pitch and somebody that's came what I'm. That's what I'm about to tell you. On a 2-2 Thank count, you. he threw okay. a wild pitch. Ah, ah okay. Yeah. It was still Mookie. Oh, okay, gotcha. It was still yep. Mookie. Yep. Yep. Okay. He threw the wild okay. pitch, and so the tying run came into score. Tying run. Yep. The, the tying run, and it's it's now I think uh, well the game is all tied up, and um, and and uh, then Wilson fouled off several more pitches, and I believe the 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 winning run was on second base, if I recall, uh, and 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 finally on the tenth pitch of the at bat. Mookie Wilson sent a slow dribbler down the first baseline. And, John, who was playing at first base that day? Mr. Bill Buckner. Mr. Bill Buckner, who I would like to step in and and say he has been uh, unfairly crucified through the years because this man at one point was a – he is a near Hall of Famer as a hitter. But people forget that he was also a gold glove fielder. Mm-hmm. And that that he was thought of as much for his glove at at one point in his career, as he as he had been for his bat. The problem was he was getting up in years, and he didn't bend down as well as he used to. So the ball comes to him. It's a little squibber, and he gets down, but he doesn't get his glove all the way down, and the ball shoots right between his legs. The ball goes in to right field. And the runner comes in from third, second base and scores, and the Mets have made the most unbelievable comeback, possibly in the history of the World Series. Yep. And a Game lot over. Of, a lot of, yes, and a lot of people forget that, that, that uh, this did not win the World Series because right. this only forced the Game 7. A lot of people only remember Game 6, and, and that's the focal point, and some people remember it as the Mets won the World Series. In right. fact, w- what happened is it forced the Game 7. But in Game 7, the Red Sox were so demoralized, I don't remember what the score was, but it, they really weren't in the game very long. And, in fact, they went on to lose the World Series through this yep. most incredible and improbable series of events that you could possibly imagine. Yep. How, what does this have to do with, with God? Well, mm-hmm. when this rally started, I started seeing. I was watching. I was watching my uh, little portable television, and as each successive hit happened, the screen felt as if it was coming closer and closer and closer to my face. So that by the time Mookie Wilson is at bat, it looked like a huge, big screen television, right in my face. 
And I'm thinking to myself, this is the weirdest thing. This is, this is kind of like if Rod Serling had been directing me watching the World Series, this, this would be the, 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 the strange twist at the end. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I really felt that God was trying to tell me something. This is very strange. I can't, even, I can't even justify that. I can't tell you why God came into the picture at this moment. But I thought to myself, it feels like God is trying to tell me something. What could he possibly be, t- be telling me at, this, at mm. this critical time in the World Series? And after the game ended, I started thinking about it. Tomorrow, now, oh. is, going to be this, is going to be the seventh game. What does the seventh game stand for? It's the day of decision. Tomorrow, one team is going to go off into, into eternity in the, in the annals of the record books. And the other team is – nobody ever remembers who lost the World Series in 1950. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. But they always remember the winner of the World Series. <clears throat> so I thought to myself, that's what this is about. Here I am. I'm sitting on the fence. It's it's game seven for me in 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 walking with in, in looking for God. This is the moment God's trying to show me. Here I am sitting on the fence, and I mm. and I felt Him saying to me, "Do you do you want to go off into eternity, or do you or, with me, or or do you want to, or, or are you going to go off and and uh, you know not be heard from again? What's important to you?" And when I, when I, when I saw that stark uh, contrast and that that choice put before me after the game, when the when the room is silent and I'm the only one there, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I realized I don't I don't want to be lost. I want to I, I I want to be I want to be in God's book. I I want what God mm-hmm. has for me. And so I made the choice right then and there to get off the fence, get off this silly running from God that I've been doing for 30-some years of my life. Mm. And, and, I, and I, I finally said, show me what it's about, Lord. Mm. And within, about an, uh, within that night, I wrote, a, I wrote a lyric. I had not talked to Sally that evening, but I wrote a lyric called The Seventh Game. And it was it was about my experience here. And the next day, I called her and I read it to her, and she mm. was just weeping because she knew what I had just done. She didn't understand why or what had motivated it till I told her the story. Mm-hmm. But I shared that with her, and and that's that's how I know for a fact, John, that uh, mm-hmm. that that God loves baseball and He uses it, or anything <laughs> else, or anything else that somebody loves to get their attention, if that's what it takes. He will come, and I learned that God will come and meet us mm. Uh, mm. if we won't if we if we won't go to Him, but we're willing to open the door to to hear Him out. Well, uh, you know that's it, it, here at the catch. We we like to make a spiritual connections with with ordinary things. To me, this that's why I've always loved your story, and uh, uh, I, I like to turn all of life really into into an act of worship. How do we know, Michael, if we're, are we just making this up or uh, are we stretching things to make this work or does God really care about these things too? 
Well, I, I, I know from a personal experience that, that God really cares. He, he, he used something that I loved to get my attention. People have asked me through the years, uh, do, you, um, do you think that God made the ball go through uh, Buckner's glove? No, of course I don't think God interceded in that way. I think God knew it was going to happen, and he used it to get my attention. He, mm-hmm. he helped give me that uh, illusion of the television coming closer and closer and closer to my face, uh, something that I had no idea why it was happening, you know, to get my attention. So, right. so, but, but I know from personal experience that it is. Do people fool themselves into thinking they had a religious experience? Sure, I, I'm sure they, I, they do. And those people end up walking away from the faith. But I've been a believer strongly now since 1986. I'm still, I'm still yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, you sure are. Well, that's, it's interesting, too. I hadn't heard the story in a while, and I thought you made your decision during the game. But uh, now hearing it, it was, it was after. What happened, what happened during the game was, it was a confirmation that God was getting your attention. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And then as you reflected on that later, you realized it really took took reflection. If if there had, John, I'm here to tell you, if there had been a doubleheader that day, I'd have been watching the second game and forgotten all about it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is so cool. Well, you went on to write a whole book, Michael, about God and baseball. Yeah. Um, What, what, uh, what made you do that, and what, what were you trying to do with that book? Well, um, it, there's an, it, it's, that's an interesting story, too. Um, uh, I was visiting a friend of, uh, two friends of mine, Mike and Laura Walker. Uh, Laura Walker is a, is a prolific uh, writer in the Christian uh, realm mm-hmm. as, as well. And, and Laura uh, was trying to – she promised that she would help me to come up with an idea – that would be a book I could write because she loved what she called my talent. She, mm-hmm. she loved the, my writing from the ministry writings that she had read on monthly newsletters that we sent out from our, our ministry. And so Laura and Mike sat down with me, and we were brainstorming. And, and, and none of the ideas were hitting. And she stopped me, and she said, okay, Mike, you, you could – give a lot of reasons why this would work or why this would be commercial or why, why you know, this would be a, a, a good book for people interesting to read. But tell me what's in your heart. What would you write about if, if, a, if a publisher was here and said, I will green light any project for you? And I thought about it a minute. I said, well, I know what I'd write about, but it's, it's really silly. And she said, try me. I said, well, what I'd write, I'd write about my two favorite subjects, God and baseball. But that's really stupid because those things just don't go together. And both <laughs> of their jaws were dropping open. And they said, are you kidding me? That would be an amazing book. In other words, I had blinders on. I couldn't see it because I felt <laughs> just like many of your listeners right now might be thinking that the story I just told about the World Series is a real stretch. Well, it is a real stress for everybody except for God. And for me to, to try to justify writing a book about God and baseball and trying to convince a publisher, let alone a reading audience, 
how how the book would uh, how would make sense and would be entertaining and would be interesting and would have a really good point, hopefully. And mm. it, it struck me as just plain silliness. But they said, oh, no, this is it. This is the idea because it's your passion. Mm-hmm. And so we sat down for the rest of the evening and we brainstormed, we brainstormed uh, all of the chapters, and we just wow. thought and thought and thought on it. And, and 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 then I took I took it. You know, when I met you, I had just been uh, at the uh, at the writers' conference and had a book idea turned down, and mm-hmm. and the publisher I, I most respected. Uh, he, he was representative for Bethany House, named Steve Lobby, and and Steve said, uh, I asked him flat out. I said, I could take this book around and shop it for the next six months. Do you think there's any point in me doing that? He said, Absolutely not. He said, Mike, you are not a celebrity. The only way the kind of book you're trying to write that you just presented me is could be published is if a celebrity wrote it. Because you're not known, you have to write something with a much more universal appeal. Mm-hmm. and to have a chance at, at finding a publisher. And I said to him, thank you very much. I'm going to come back here next year, and I'm going to wow you. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what I said to him. And so they helped me put together the idea, and the next year I went back to Mount Hermon, uh, and I presented the uh, proposal. Steve loved the idea. He went to bat for it. He, Great. Took, it through, he took it through the publishing approval process, and he called me up and said, welcome to the Bethany family. You're going to publish a book. Great. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And you you uh you went on to do some interesting things with that book, Michael, uh with some of the players. Yes. Can you tell I us have... any uh... Go ahead. Yeah, tell us tell us some of the stories. Uh Well, you know related the, to that. The Sermon on the Mound um and it and it's interesting by the way. I just think it's fascinating that I'm <clears throat> I'm sitting here uh, promoting a book that's 13 years out of print now. I know. I think, I'm I know. thinking. I'm thinking. My if they had social media skill media back then, I, I might have done uh, <coughs> better with the book. But uh, it, it's funny. But of course, we're not really promoting the book. We are. We're sharing the stories uh, of what God does in our lives, and so I'm. I'm real happy to do that. But uh, the Sermon on the Mount opened uh, really wonderful doors for me. And it, and they weren't even all of them intentional. I had one day I was sitting in in church and my pastor was uh, was giving a message. And while he was giving a message, it's like my I tuned him out, not intentionally. It's just he he went away, and I had this. I, I can only describe it as a vision, and I, I do believe it was from the Lord about a plan the Lord wanted me to do for the book. Hmm. And what he and and sometimes a vision is just here's a snippet of an idea now you develop it, but this this plan was like nine points, very precise in what I was to do, and it was really again very strange, um, but basically what the Lord showed me uh, he wanted me to do was to buy a whole bunch of copies of my book and to send one to every major league player, every major league manager, every major league broadcaster. Well, that's that's uh, over to that that's around 2000 books. And how I could po- we 
how could I afford that? And I won't even go, you know, I'll, I'll gloss this part over except to say God provided the money. It cool. was amazing. The, yeah. the, it was mm-hmm. several thousand dollars, obviously. It was a hardbound mm-hmm. book. It was not inexpensive. But I told Bethany House the idea, and they so loved the idea that they gave me, they allowed me to purchase the, at the absolute minimum price that they could at, the mm-hmm. cost, at their absolute cost. Mm-hmm. And, so I, mm-hmm. and even then it was thousands and thousands of dollars. But I had a big truck come up and deliver 3,000 books to my doorstep one day wow. on, on, wow. several, on several shipping pallets. <laughs> so, but anyway, but then the next part of the plan was to involve my church. And I got up in front of the congregation, and I shared the idea with them. And I said, I need your help. I can't possibly do this alone. I said, I, need, I, I have to sign. I know that I'm supposed to sign personally every single book and put a message in there for each player, not just the best wishes, you know, but to rather give them a message, not overtly religious, but just basically saying God loves you, you know. And, and, but, but consequently, that is work that only I can do. But there are people who could come alongside me, and they could stuff envelopes, they could put stamps on, they could write labels to the baseball teams, uh, to the players care of their baseball teams. Mm-hmm. And so, and and then this very important part, I said, I need prayer warriors to come alongside. I, we're going to have an adopt a player program. Cool. Anybody who signs up with me is going to get specific names of players of, of a player for a specific team. And your job is going to be to pray for that player before and after they receive the book. It's to, like mm-hmm. I, I ask for five-minute commitment each day for oh, like mm-hmm. a five-week period. And I got a lot of people from my church signing up. Unfortunately, it was still not enough, and I ended up having to uh, give each person five players, each prayer warrior five players. But it still was not a, an overtaxing burden, and they were willing to do it. And they, my church loved doing this. It was a, it was a project that kind of brought us together. Mm-hmm. Came over to our house on several evenings, doing the doing the labeling and the stamping and and everything and everything. And uh, I knew that an important fact, a factor of this, John, was that I was to um, uh, send individual books to individual players in an individual envelope. I knew that major league athletes, if there was a box of books sent to the, to the Detroit Tigers, and, and it was sitting in the clubhouse and it said, take one or something, or there was a sign on it that said, take one. These are major league players. They're not going to read a book. They're not going to be that interested yeah. in a book they, and an author they've never heard of. It's just going to sit there. But I knew that if it was individually um, hand-printed, mm-hmm. you know, if it was personalized, they would be too curious not to open it up. And so yeah. that's, what I, that's what I did. And, and then I sent them out. And, uh, you know, I heard from several players. I heard, from several, I heard from several broadcasters. I got a beautiful handwritten note from a uh, Hall of Fame uh, announce, uh, announcer for the Dodgers, who's still with us, uh, Vin, Vin Scully, who, oh, who reminded me that he was the one, he thanked me for the book, and he said he reminded me that he was the one calling the play that the, the ball that went through Bill Buckner's leg, and I had totally forgotten about that part. So it, it was it was a great irony. It was a great circle of you know circle. That's of great. Kind of I, I had I had a ball player call me up one day, 
Uh, my wife, Sally, answered the phone. Yes, she became my wife, by the way. Did I tell that part of the story? We got married. <laughs> and we yeah. have three children, and we just celebrated our 27th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. So anyway, uh, one day I'm on the phone. And, I mean, one day the phone rings, and, and my wife comes. Uh, she picks up the phone, and she says, uh, hello, may hello. And the voice on the other end said, may I speak to Michael O'Connor, please? And Sally, who's used to fending off salesmen, for me says uh who's speaking please and the voice said ryan klesko and sally said with coaxing him because she thought it was going to be at&t or verizon yeah. or something and he said the san diego padres <laughs> <laughs> and she goes oh oh just a minute please <laughs> and she hands me the phone and we had a really nice you know, 10-minute uh, conversation, and, and basically he he just called because he saw all these books around the San Diego clubhouse, and he called. Uh, I'm pretty. I think he was a believer, uh, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. And and Ryan uh, just called to thank me for taking the time to send this book to his buddies, and that he was really looking forward to reading it. And that was basically yeah, the you. that was basically mm-hmm. it. And and I was like, wow, I'm talking to a major leaguer. How fun is this? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, so let's. What can we take away? Uh, let's. We're, we're gonna. We're pretty much out of time now. So, um, I, I want to bring it home now to uh, to the to us today, to our lives. What what can what can the average you know our, what can we as catch members, listeners, followers do? Um, what should this inspire us to do or to be? Um, well, I, I'm thinking at I'm thinking at the moment, John, of of uh, of the uh, very often used line from "Touched by an Angel," when mm-hmm. Monica the Angel would always say to somebody, "God loves you. He really does." <laughs> and, and and that I, I would always laugh when she would say that because I would be expecting it, you know, but. It's it's true. God loves mm. us. God loves us, and he is willing. You know, I, I've seen that picture of God standing and knocking at the door. Yeah. If we're willing to open the door, he's willing to come in. If we're in a prison, he's willing to mm-hmm. walk into that prison. If we're in a bar, he's willing to walk into that bar. I listened to your friend John the Poet a couple weeks ago that you had on mm-hmm. the cast. Yeah. He walked into the bar with John, and mm-hmm. and John was, or Jesus was in the bar with John, when when uh, when he started doing his poetry slams, God will come into the places when we open the door for Him. And if I could leave you with any message, that is, let's open the door for Him. So mm. and, and let's open the door for Him to come through to find us if we don't know Him, and let's and let's open doors and walk in so He can follow in with us if we are believers. That's great. And then let's let's. Keep our let's keep our antennas up and our eyes open all the time to see how God might be speaking in ways in which we do not expect. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because because this is God. There's there's nothing too big for Him, um, and we always forget that, and then we yeah. get reminded. And then after we get reminded, we forget again. Yeah. Because because we're human and we're flawed, and 
That's the way we're built. And maybe yeah. that's good because if not, maybe we'd get too arrogant. Hey, I'm God's buddy. I'm cool. You can't touch me, you know. But yeah. So maybe there is something good in that, but, but the part that's not so good is that we, we should never forget. God can do anything. With, yeah. with, with God, all things are possible. And there's nothing outside of his jurisdiction. There's nothing, there's nothing he can't speak through. Um, and I, I often think that uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit loves to do things like, like I, I think God got a real bang out of bringing you to him. Um, and, uh, and you know what I think too, we were saying, you asked someone said that, you know, God make make Bill Buckner miss that ball. I think, I think it's that it's all so incredibly in connect, uh, connected together that we can't possibly know all of the things that God is working in and around everything that happens. It's not well, that's right. It's not, you, know, but, you know, it's not so much cause and effect as it is God is in is making it all happen. Don't you think? A, it's a tapestry, John. He's weaving a tapestry of our lives and mm. and uh, of the universe and just like a really good writer will plant something early in the story, but he if he's a really good writer, you won't notice it as a planted idea. But right. the, but that later you will come around to that idea and you'll go, oh, now I understand. Of course, now I understand about the 1986 World Series. To me, I was just sitting there down to watch a ball game. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, now I get it. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, Michael, yeah. thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to do this. Well, John, it's always, hope, a joy, it's always a joy talking to you, and we have to get out to the ballpark sometime soon, I hope. Oh, let's do. Let's do. I will wear my suit. I promise. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, what we didn't talk about is Sally and what you guys are doing together and some of that. Maybe we can do that at another time. That sounds but, terrific. Uh, yeah. But I hope, too, Michael, I hope that you will um, – I hope you keep writing. And uh, because you are really good, and 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 also I want to encourage you to get that book back out, um, and, because I think we can do that now. I'm and gonna, I, uh, I'm actually going to try to get the yeah. rights back and put it out on ebook if I can. Good, good. And for any of our listeners, actually, there still are. You know, you can always get used. Go to Amazon, look up Sermon on the Mound, and uh, you'll you'll be able to pick up pick it up there. Right, at least. There, there should be and, some. and some of them, and some of them are for for uh, as low as one cent. And if that doesn't do my <laughs> ego, uh, that keeps me humble, John. It keeps me humble. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I got the same thing. So I, uh, uh, for just about all of mine. So yeah, I understand. I Michael, think I saw John, John. I think I saw one of yours for one peso uh, available. So. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's just great talking with you again. Let's do let's do catch a game sometime soon. Well that would be a little slice of heaven. Okay. Okay, my friend. Take care, Gunner. Goodbye, Marty. Hey, Goodbye, take Michael. Care. Thank Thanks, you. Michael. Care. And I want I want to um, put my two cents in that I would love for your wife to be on next time. Also, um I've fallen in love with her on your site. And um by the way, Michael, um 
Where can anyone find your book now? Are you offering it on your own site right now? Unfortunately, it's out of print. It's it's gone. The only place we you can get it is is used off of Amazon or one of the other used booksellers. Okay. But I'm yeah. I'm hoping, like I said, to get the rights and to be able to put out an ebook on it. That would so that it's not out of print anymore. Yeah. Okay, but but yeah. we can go on the right? And, and and see things that are um, in regards to your 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 mutual ministry that you have, which is so cool. And tell us at least what is the name of of, of your ministry because it's such a cool title. I don't. I want you to tell us, not me tell them. It's Improbable People Ministries, and it came from the idea that God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And Sally yeah. and I see ourselves among the foolish things. We God called us into ministry, and we looked around at each other and said, "You mean us, God?" In the same way, that, in the same way that He looked at Moses, and Moses said, "Are you kidding? I stutter." You know, in the same way He looked at Sarah and said, "You're going to have a baby," and she said, "You got to be kidding me! I'm, 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 I'm barren." You know, but God uses the foolish things of the world to show His strength. That's the reason why I love you, and I know I will love your wife. Thank you. Yeah. So, and the website is improbablepeople.org. Dot org. Okay. Yes. Great. Great. Improbablepeopleministries.org. No, improbablepeople.org. Oh, no ministries. I'm That's glad correct. you did that. Improbablepeople.org. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. I'll, I'll Thank we'll you, Michael. On the site. Michael, we'll also put this on the site tomorrow so everyone can have this. Um, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear you. Marty, I didn't hear you. I, I just said we will put the um, the, the site um, um, on our site tomorrow so everyone can know how they can find you. And so Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So, no, thank you so much. And, again, I, I, I want to say one more time with John that it will be really fun to have both of you on the next time. Well, I'll, go, I'll come back on with Sally if you'll promise to go to a ball game with me and John. Oh my God! Oh, really. <laughs> asking a oh. lot, but yes, yes, yes. If I will, yes, I, I've heard oh. about I've heard about your reluctance, Marty. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I I can't even tell you. It's called true love. Yes, it oh, is. Okay. And ain't it wonderful? Amen, amen, amen. Michael, thank you so much for being here tonight. You just really blessed all of us. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Marty. Mm. Okay. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation there with John and uh, Michael O'Connor, again, author of the book Sermon on the Mound, Finding God at the Heart of the Game. It's available at Amazon.com, so please check it out. Get a copy of that book. Uh, Get a copy for all your friends. Uh, Hey, are you uh, getting the catch every morning? Uh, You can sign up to get the catch, the daily uh, word from John, Monday through Friday, uh, catchjohnfisher.wordpress.com. You can sign up there. Uh, great, great, great uh, stuff happening every single day. So check it out, facebook.com slash the catch, and on Twitter at fishback, F-I-S-C-H-B-A-C-K. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on blogtalkradio.com slash the catch.